to King of Dads. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Kamen Rider Saber, Episode 3, A Father and a Swordsman, and Episode 4, The Book Was Opened. That is the reason, which, okay, sure. Um, I mean, uh, that's... I guess that is the reason. That could be an episode title for many of the episodes going forward. Um, our writer for both is Mori Nobuhiro. Our director for both is Nakazawa Shojiro. Um, again, we're at the beginning of a writer, so we're getting a lot of a lot of new names. We gotta cover who everyone is again. Mori Nobuhiro is a very familiar name in in the Toe House. Um, while Fukuda Takuro was the head writer for Ghost, Mori wrote 13 episodes. Um, so again, this is a very similar situation. He's someone very familiar with playing in Fukuda's sandbox. Mori also wrote on O's, Gaim, Drive. Uh, he also wrote on GoBusters and Ninja, and was our lead writer for Q Ranger. So you know, if, oh, if that's Q where he's Ranger. feeling familiar, uh, that that is the big one. Q Ranger is the big one for him. Boy, that really, ex- I mean, lots of things explain the Sentai feeling, but. Boy, that helps explain the Sentai feeling. Yeah, and, you know, I've got a complicated relationship with Mori's work because he wrote some things that I find to be absolute garbage, uh, such as the Pink Buster episode of Go Busters, which is, I think, the worst thing he's written. Uh, he also, also that episode of O's with the Grasshopper Yummy and the Father and Son, which on its own is not bad, but I feel so deeply undercuts the entire theme of O's and is a lot of my, like, it caused a lot of problems with how I felt about A.G. Like, that specific episode. I mean, look, that's, yeah, that's a good reason for some complicated feeling. Um, but also, he wrote the episodes of Ghost about Elaine and Fumi, the, the old woman. He, you know, he wrote all of the Stinger and Scorpio stuff and all of the Dark Naga stuff. So, like, he can clearly write some really amazing stuff. Yeah, he, like, we did have an episode called Uncomfortably Real, just inspired by stuff he wrote, where we got to bare our souls a little, and that was, uh... Oof. Yeah, I can't comment on his work in Ninja because he did start writing on Ninja after I stopped watching it, but he he only wrote, like, four episodes of Gaim, and two of them were co-written by Gen Urobuchi, so I don't even know there. But, I mean, at least here it feels like Mori is doing some of his stronger work. I enjoyed these episodes yes. a lot. I really liked the introduction of the characters that come in in these episodes. I do like the way that he and Fukuda work together. But I can't just not acknowledge that his writing is either, like, a zero or an eleven for me. It is the absolute extremes of the scale. So it's uh, sort of the, the oh goodness, what is the name of the one on Sentai? Oh, Kaneko Kaori. Kaneko Kaori? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much uh, the same, except he has a much longer resume than Kaneko Kaori does. And then Nakazawa Shoujiro goes back as a director all the way to Time Ranger. Um, and he was the main director oh, wow. for both Geki Ranger and Shinkenger. Oh, yeah. That explains a few things. That actually. does explain yeah. a few things. And I I have to give a lot of credit for my feelings about Shinkenger to him because so much of my love of Shinkenger is just the feeling of it and the energy of it. Yeah, it is it is a beautiful and propulsive show. And like one you have to nail a lot of the the energy for the beats they were going for especially near the end cuz 
they they go some places by the end. Yeah. Um, and he is directed a not insignificant percentage of nearly every Sentai between Time Ranger and Ryu Soldier. If you were to take the total amount of episodes that air from Time Ranger to Ryu Soldier, and then the number that he directed, it's a pretty significant portion, I think. Um, because especially in those early 2000s Sentai, he directed a lot. He did a lot in those years. Um, but he made his debut on the Rider side during Kamen Rider Kiva, and his first episode on Kiva was Maya's introduction. Oh, damn. Um, so he had a strong start. That is a visually really strong episode. And then he did three more episodes of Kiva. Um, he also directed very large chunks of Wizard and X-Aid. Um, I think he did like maybe 13 episodes on each of those. And then smaller, you know, somewhere between two to six episodes of Gaim, Drive, Build, Zeo, and Zero One. So, again, a not insignificant portion of re more recent writer. Um, he's a veteran of tokusatsu directing, and I think that's really clear in how well these episodes are directed and how much he chooses to dial back the CGI of these episodes to uh, just help ground things in reality a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the I enjoy the unreality, but... It does help to occasionally just make sure one foot is planted in the real. Like that that but, kind of makes the unreality kind of feel even more. Yeah, because, yeah, you, the regular world feels like the regular world, and then the extra world feels so extra. But you need that contrast or it doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, speaking of things that don't work, uh, do we have any, any little nitpicks for these episodes? Um, so they've given us a pretty solid reason to cut back on the amount of monster suits that will happen this year, because, you know, they say once an altar book is finished, the monster can just come back kind of whenever they want. Um, which is fine. That's a great way to cut down on the amount of suits you need, which lets them extend the CGI budget a little bit, because they clearly need it for this show. Um, so that in and of itself is not a problem. But now I'm confused about what altar books are. Like, aren't they the thing that the magic hands are writing? Because Toma and Rintaro, like, stopped that with with that one, did with all of them, didn't they? Like, that's how the kid got to go home to his parents. Yeah. So, like, how is the monster coming back after his book was completed when his book wasn't completed? Or is it the, the white book that he had that did get completed? See, I think it's the white book... And, and the ones but then what are the ones but they, like the altar books are the ones that the magic hands are writing are they the same yeah. thing how are they the same thing like I, I just I need them to give us a much clearer explanation on that yeah no I'm, I'm with you there cause you know I, I'm happy to take things in stride but man now that you mention it <laughs> Like, look, there are a lot of things I won't ask questions about until something contradicts the even basic knowledge that you give me. Because if you just tell me this book that this magic hand is writing is called an altar book, okay. And, like, and if, if they finish it, then the world changes. 
okay, that is all the information I need. I will not ask other questions. But when we see that book not finished and you tell me that it was finished, I become confused. That, yeah. That's, which I think is fair. It's also very weird to me. It seems strange that Sora sees one of those little white ride books on the bench and regards it as if, one, he's never seen one of those before, and two, as if it's a normal book that he can read. Because the implication is that he's going into, like, Wonder Earth or Wonder World or whatever it's called with his dad all the time as his dad does Common Rider stuff. Am I correct? That's the implication? That is certainly the implication I got. Okay, so shouldn't he know what a ride book is and be aware that all of these white ones are associated with the monsters? Because, like, he's young, but he's not stupid. He has to have seen enough of these things by now to know what it is and not to touch it. I have to imagine his dad is like, this thing is bad. If you see one of these, do not touch it. It will bring you here without me. Yeah, I mean, he they call him later in the episode the king of parenting. And I gotta believe the king of parenting would be like, hey kid, what's up? You know those things I keep talking about that I might have to fight? This is what they come from. Like, honestly, that'd be a great reason for the kid to not like books. Yeah. Why, why do, hey kid, why don't you like books? Oh, um, literal Satans come from them. Uh, a book once tried to murder my dad. Like A book tried to murder my seems... dad like 45 minutes ago. Yeah. You were there like... for it. Yeah, but also your dad has these other books. <laughs> Look. I'm focusing on the fact that a book tried to murder my dad. <laughs> Cause like I'm six. Uh, I can only decide yeah. I can only focus on one of these two things at a time. Yeah. Nuance is not a six year old's thing. You shouldn't expect it of them. But you should still like try to create space for it. I'm not a parent, I just anyway, I, I... More than anything though, like on top of that, I just I keep going back to the thing where it's like on top of, hey, these white books are bad. Look, I, I can accept that these obvious pieces of hinged plastic are supposed to represent books. But boy, this thing where we treat them interchangeably with books in-universe is just so weird to me. <laughs> like, look, I, I can get past it. But still, like, just make a few prop books that turn into the plastic ones when the magic starts happening around them so that when normal people pick them up, it's not like oh hey, this is a book! Because no, no, it's not. I realize that's one more effect they'd have to do, but come on. It, it would sell the fiction that much better. Okay, so this next thing isn't so much a thing that's actually any kind of problem at all, so much as like I'm really invested in the cast of this show and I don't like them holding out on me. Um, but who's this, like, hot dude in the red shirt that just walks out in the middle of the North Pole base meeting? Who's that guy? Right? Yeah. No, I want to know as well. Because, like, he seems cool. And from the look is, like, an engineer? Question mark? Yeah. Maybe he's the liaison between the Logos organization and Santa's elves? I don't know. I'm in a headcanon it. I need to know show. 
Yeah, like, is he the dude that makes the swords or the belts? Like, I don't know. Give me, like, hot swordsmith, Saber. Come on. I know you're, like, giving me everything I could ever possibly want in Kira Major. And I'm grateful yeah. for that. But, like, who is this guy I need to know? Because I'm kind of already really invested in him and he has done nothing. Look, Toei, if you won't be brave, at least be pandering, you cowards. Like, he just walks in on Sophia, who's essentially, like, the lady of the lake, and these, like, and the riders who were, you know, these powerful legendary swordsmen talking, just, you know, having this really important meeting, and he just says a line that could have easily be said by Rintaro or Kento, and then just leaves. He just walks back out of the room. Like, we- they call him Daishinji, which I assume is his name, um, but we have no idea, like, who he is to this organization. He just sometimes walks into the room and will either, like, say something and then leave or, like, exchange a look with Sophia and then leave. Like, he feels kind of like a dude who just wandered onto the set by accident and they filmed around him. Which, I don't know, it just feels very weird with how solidly they have introduced the rest of our hero side cast as they've emerged. Like, even Kento, who's still a little bit of a mystery, we at least know he is part of Logos, and he's Toma's childhood friend, and that's really all we need to know until, I assume, the next episode where we focus on him, because he's not the, the focus of these two episodes. But who is this other guy? Yeah. He's just, he's just being over there, being all handsome and enigmatic. And disinterested. Which, um, look, I am not immune to the allure of a disinterested hot dude. Yeah. But uh, speaking of things we are not immune to, uh, let's talk about the stuff in these episodes that worked. Uh, I mean, speaking of Kento, he seems real neat. Mm. He he looks super familiar, but he's only had two film roles that I've obviously never seen. Uh, so I'm not sure who he reminds me of, but he looks super familiar. Yeah, he's definitely got one of those like, if not faces, at least that presence, because he seems very familiar, but I couldn't tell you why. But, like, I don't know, he seems sweet. His reunion with Toma is very cute, where they both kind of get lost in this story that they read together as children about a reunion and kind of project their own reunion onto that. That was really cute. Uh, it really was. And, it, like, that alone was e- enough to have me eager to see more of their relationship and want to know what happened in the flashback that ended up separating them for so long and like why toma doesn't really remember and how kento ended up as part of this secret society of swordsmen and i actually kind of love the moment of him like seeing may's box of eclairs and is just like oh sweet eclairs and just takes one and like passes the box around like it's a little bit rude to not be like hey can i have one But, you know, when you put it next to how enviously we've seen Rintaro kind of eyeing May's boxes of sweets off to the side and being like, ooh, I kind of want one, but no, I shouldn't have one, but I kind of want one, it gives us this very tangible difference between their personalities and who Kento is as a person. Like, it's a full box of them. There were, like, three or four of them in there. So he just assumes they're for everyone. 
But he does, like, he takes one and he shares the box with everyone. He passes it around immediately. So, like, he's not a jerk. He's just kind of a little bit forward and maybe just assumes things that are incorrect sometimes. I mean, look, he might even be a little bit of a jerk, but he's a jerk who wants to share the wealth, which... You know, we could use a few more of those kinds of jerks, you know? I mean, like, it, it's a thing where he, you know, they probably, like, have a box of donuts at the Logos meeting sometimes. And he's just like, oh, sweet, the meeting donuts. Yeah, I want one. And then, you know, gave one to everyone. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that right there is the really elegant part. Because it's, he might not, he might have very different concepts of people's property. But he's very much like... Well, yeah, there's enough for everyone, so why not give a little to everyone? That's... that seems reasonable. But just, it's it's just a really elegant way of showing who he is and what he's about, besides, you know, fighting evil because he's a swords dude. It's just, I always appreciate that sort of thing. Um, so being the terribly predictable lizard brain human being that I am, I immediately fell in love with Buster when he appears and is this, like, huge, angry, powerful man who's, like, super aggro about fighting monsters and then is very soft and goofy with his son. Like, y'all, I have a type and they are playing directly to me with this guy. I feel like he's Narmi if you stripped away the Chicago Noir aesthetic and actually let him, like, be with his child. I can definitely see that. And, and while, like, my frame of reference was not quite the same, like, yeah, I also love this dude. And and while you got those super familiar feels from Kento, this dude sent my brain all over the place, because, look, King Dad is great, but every time he was off screen in my head, I kept, like, filling in the faces of different cool dads in my head, so every time I see him, it's always just kind of like, oh, that's what he looks like. But I thought he was... no. It's just, it's a silly thing. I just... And this isn't a bad thing, by the way. I'm not, like, trying to insult him. It, the thing is, he's got so much good dad energy that the actor just becomes king of dads on top of his character, you know, being the king of parenting. And I just really hope Rewa will be about more good dads, because honestly, like, media needs more good dads. Apparently, uh, the actor, I, th I think this is before the show started, um, did a little interview where he's like, yeah, I'm the, f I'm the first dad writer, and they were like, yeah, you're kind of not, and he's like, yeah, but I'm the first hot one, which is not true. <laughs> I appreciate the confidence, even though he's wrong. Yeah, but that's, look, that is the answer to give. Like, he's wrong, as you observe, but that is the answer to give. Also, I just, I really enjoy Toma being inspired to write a story called King of Parenting after meeting him. It just, that just put such a a smile on my face because like look i'm i may hate toma's writer suit but he's a good kid also sora his uh buster's son 
is the kid from the body swap episode of Kira Major. Oh wait, the the one. Oh, that's the kid who wouldn't draw. Yeah, who who ripped up the paper every time. It's the same kid. Um, that's great. That episode wasn't that long ago, so I'm wondering if he had already started filming for Saber, and they just needed a kid, and just popped him over to the Kira Major set for a day or two to film that episode. And hey, he's around. Why not? And look, the kid can act. Yeah. Like, for you know, for a kid. I mean, he's a lot better than most of the kid actors they get. Mm, absolutely. Because, man, I just, sorry, now I'm thinking about the, the, the whole bit with the, hey, wait, I can do art by tearing stuff up. This rules. Like, he really sold that moment. It yeah, really the kid good. can convey an emotion. Like, I'm, I feel I like in, right in that episode of Kira Major, like, we figured out so much about that kid's home life just by the way he reacted to fire encouraging him. Yeah, I... Yeah, you get a whole history for this kid. It was really good. Um, of course, the question remains, where is Sora's mom? Where is Ogami's wife? Please, Saber, I need this information, because if he's bringing his kid into the magic book world to fight monsters, like, she's gotta know about it, right? Like, please don't have her have... He's not old enough where she could have died, like, in some battle. Where is she? Is she also a knight? Did they, like, take turns taking Sora to work with them? Because that's a thing I want. Do that. Show me that. Yes. Yes, please. Not only good dad, but there's also uber mom. And please let her be at least as intense as dad. Like, let them be happy and in love and super deadly on the battlefield and because you can't do, like, kissing in Kamen Rider, uh, like... They just, they give each other headbutts just as a greeting. It'd be great. Like, God, can you imagine if Sentai and Ryder both had cool battle moms in the same year? Just happening at oh, the I same can. time? I can imagine it. The, the question is, if Toei can continue their Zero-One trend of not being such freaking cowards and let us have that like we deserve. Uh, I do love May, like, kind of... You know, he, uh, Toma's like, Sora, I'm gonna teach you all about books! And she just, like, shoves him back at his desk and is like, Nope, I'm taking the kid out for ice cream. Please do your job. Because, um, like, he had just had this big burst of inspiration, and she knows how Toma is about kids and reading, and he's never gonna get his next chapter done if he is making a promise to help this kid love books. And, like, May seems like she also loves books and reading, um, like, after all, why would she get into a literary career otherwise? Because, I mean, if if you love books and you love reading, but you're not the kind of person who writes, like, an editor's a really great job. And honestly, like, editing is such a valuable and intense skill to have. Oh, yes. A really good editor is top-notch. But, like, Toma's already got being a swordsman to distract him from writing. He doesn't need this, too. Like, he needs something to turn in at the end of the month. So, it's like, yo, if you're not fighting a monster, please write your book. Like, it's just a really cute way to build on why she's in this show, because that's the whole reason she keeps coming here. And it's, it's really great, because I just really like her. I, look, it's me, 
I'm I'm a buzzkill, so I do of course kind of wish they'd tone down the goofy with her just a tad, but still like I just like her as the more practical side of the team when it comes to Toma. Like she knows how to manage her weird hippie writer, and I respect that because you gotta hit them deadlines. I feel like they, like, much like they did with Akiko, they will kind of tone her down as time goes on, and she'll get some really cool moments. Um, and she had better. But, you know, we're, we're still in that early introduction phase of we've got to put all the focus on, on the riders. Yeah. Well, give her a sword, then. Yeah, give her a sword. Toei, you cowards. cowards. Like I'm, I I confess, there's a part of me that's really mad that I that we have not heard, we have not seen that as as even a a next time on thing. Cause like, I feel like that I feel like someone should have leaked that to me if that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, look, you smashed that glass ceiling. There should just be lady riders like falling out of the woodwork. And like, hey. We could do just with having uh, an agender or non-binary writer, just like as the the from the start secondary. Hell yeah! Fairly soon, please. You absolute cowards! Uh, Shoutouts to the bench sitting alone on a slab of concrete in the other world. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's not the actual bench t- trademark, but uh, since I think that bar that bench had like a bar in the middle. And this was almost definitely a different location. The par- like the park where Sora was was almost definitely a different location than the the actual bench. Um, but man, that shot of it kind of like alone in the magic woods just had really strong bench vibes. Yeah, it really did. And also because I I recently watched Gokaiger again, uh, I was reminded of Jetman. So it kind of also evoked the bench from the end of Jetman. There's a bench at the end of Jetman? Oh, dude, yeah. I don't know the end of Jetman. I wonder if it's the same bench. It's not. It's oh, not. That's a shame, because the, the the actual, the blade bench also appears in Kuga. Oh, really? Um, you know, it, it's where Godai and Ichijo are jogging when they have the minute and 30 second long cold open romantic jog. Uh, that is the same. The benches along that are, that's the same spot where the end of Blade is. Okay. But yeah, just, it, it was just evoking two of the capital B benches and just, how dare. But also, like, hey, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do a, a rider show, I at least appreciate the confidence to be like, hey, make the longtime people think of Blade. Because that's, like that that takes some confidence that I'm not entirely sure the rest of the of the episode had, but But that you know, moment. Yeah, it was a good moment. Like I'm not even trying to, to knock it, it's just like boy, the end of Blade is freaking sick. Yeah, dude. it's the end of Blade is so much. Um okay, so we've got the implication that Caliber is Kento's father. Yes, though I confess, I keep hoping there'll be a curveball, and it'll turn out that Caliber is like a little brother, or even his mom, just with her voice. You know, it's it's warped by the helmet. Classic villain stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably the dad, especially given 
where the discussion is happening in the series and what's going on at the in the plot at the time that it's happening. But still, I live in hope. Yeah, look, I, I was hoping in Ray while we were escaping the bad dad thing in Ryder. Um, though I yeah. guess Hirobi technically counts as a bad dad. Um, uh, he, he, but he gets, he's a redeemed dad. Yeah. And he was only bad when he didn't think he was a dad. True. Um, Most of the other bad dads, they, they know their dads and they use that. That is true. Um, but this does feel like it could have some interesting revelations within the way that Kento is trying to take emotional responsibility for what happened in the 15 years ago flashback. Um, like, he's, he's not treating it like he was betrayed by his father. He's like, this is my fault, I caused this, it's because of me. And I'm curious as to why he thinks that. And we also cut right from that to Caliber talking about reaching Avalon, which is, you know, the Arthurian half-Eden, half-Heaven, uh, and the original location of Excalibur and Arthur's final resting place. So, like, how does that play into this? Because these things all are seem to be connected with the way they are timed. Um, and just, if nothing else, they have made me very curious about what the long game is. Yes, because, uh, you know, we they have not given us a lot of deep plot information, but they're definitely setting up a lot of interesting stuff. And mostly I'm just like, yes, give me some weird version of Ar Arthuriana, please. Like, as revisionist or canonical as you please. Like, I realize I'm not English, so it's not really my mythology. That's never stopped so, Japan. Yeah, exactly. Like, Fate happened. Know, yeah, true. But, like, I, I spent a lot of my middle school years and, and early high school just obsessed with the Arthurian myth, so, like, a part of me is like, okay, well, we kind of have a, a round table and a bunch of knights, so, well, let's see what happens. Go go wild with it, you guys. And if you want to make it turn out that, uh, you know, Arthur is actually Artoria, you know what the hell, go for it. Yeah, why not? Look, it didn't stop you last time. Yeah, yeah. Fate Go is the biggest moneymaker on the App Store of all time. And isn't slowing down. Yeah, like, there are so many things. Cash in on it, guys. Why not? Look, people are already making the Fate jokes because you named this show Saber. Go for it. Go as hard as possible. And look, I mean, it's not like uh, the end of Zero One didn't have some some uh, fate references in it, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, go for it. It honestly, the the upside of all of these things being in the public domain is, what are they gonna do? Like, no one's ever thought of a gender flipped King Arthur before. I bet it's been done. So like, yeah, go for it, guys. Go wild, plagiarize to your heart's content, just do so in an interesting way. Yeah. As as they say, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Just try and be great, you guys, that's all I ask. You don't actually have to get there, but you have to shoot for it. So I really adore the way Rintaro and Toma praise each other for their different fighting styles. Yeah. 
Like, I, I know I kind of mentioned this last time also, but I just, I think it's so sweet the way Toma admires Rintaro's experience and skill, and Rintaro is fascinated by Toma's kind of out-of-the-box thinking in the way he uses ride books, and how they verbalize that to each other, like, at the end of fights. Yeah, it's really nice. Like, it's just, it's so nice and refreshing to see the main and secondary riders getting along so well, and being willing to learn from each other and play to each other's strengths and weaknesses as a team. Because we really don't get that ever. No, or at least, really. at least not in Phase 2 Heisei. That was... Date, maybe, kind of. Beast yeah, a little kind of. Beast a little bit, but he he wanted to be like the big rival and just was not good at it. Yeah. But yeah, I just I was kind of afraid they'd start building them as rivals or something, and I'm just I'm so happy to just have them be two people who are getting to know each other and have that baseline respect. It's it is so rare. But also it's really great, because we don't have to have the conflict be the heart of it. Yeah, like, honestly, all of the Logos Riders get along really well. Like, and, like, when they don't, you kind of get it. Yeah, like, the only one who's really fighting with anyone at the beginning is Ogami being angry at Toma. And, like, it makes sense for him to be. I feel bad for him when he's screaming, like, Don't you know what I'm going through as a parent? Because his kid is missing in this other world full of monsters. Yeah, that's... Look, that should put you on edge. Yeah, then, like, I'm not a parent, and I don't intend to be, but I do have a very young niece, and the thought of anything happening to her puts me on the verge of absolutely losing it. So I can only imagine how much that feeling is magnified by actually being the parent and then having something actually happen. So, like, I can't blame Ogami at all for getting in Toma's face when he's, you know, saying, promise this and promise that, when, you know, no one, ha one, he has no context for this guy. This dude, he has just met this dude, like, five minutes ago. And no one in the room has any idea how to actually find and save his son. Of course he's gonna be mad when this dude is like, Oh, well, I made a promise to your son, so I'm gonna find him. It's like, what do you mean you're gonna find him? We don't know where he is. We don't know how to find him. I mean, in the words of the ancients, it's easy to say some stuff. And, like, look, Toma might even mean it, but, like, dude's kid's been kidnapped. Like, I would definitely in that situation i would want something more than some flakes word on a thing oh oh you promise oh well okay then like i realize you can't exactly call in the feds or whatever in this instance but i would at least want like hey like not even don't worry just like hey we're gonna get your kid back uh we might not have a plan but hey i've got a massive scary weapon like something other than just like a promise because like you know we we're going to talk about the the nature of the promise later but it's it's not a lot if you don't know him 
I really like the way the one-off, like, I'm not a lizard joke. Like, that's really, con- like, we were talking about that in Kira Major, with, like, I'm not red light, green light, Marsk. Like, that's such a fun kind of common joke, especially early on, to, like, bust on the villain a little. I love it every time. It's so great. Time. It's great. But then it actually here turns out to be this kind of key to Toma solving the mystery behind what this monster is doing by drawing on knowledge that he's gained from sources both fiction and nonfiction. He pulls out, like, three different books. Yeah, which, like, it was just such a fun, clever moment, because more than anything, it's it's the kind of fair play little mystery that I like, because, like, if you already know about salamanders or, or amphibians generally and, and stuff like that, maybe you could guess what was going on. And if not, they actually give you tons of little ways you could have found the information while also letting you know that, you know, if you don't get it, that's fine. We'll lead you there. And it's, it's just a really fun thing. And just playing it off with some animals and, and in a way that, that they can just drop random bits of information like hey salamanders they can just drop their tails and bail when they're in trouble that's cool to know i love getting random facts from tv it's it's such a silly thing but i bet there's a lot of kids who are like oh yeah salamanders cut off their tails they'll grow new ones it's fine oh okay maybe it's not fine but like but don't, don't it's, cut it's a survival mechanism don't do it on purpose though yeah it's they that's, yeah, they don't that's weird it. they don't like it but, like, they can, and that's cool. If you didn't know that, now you know it. And they, they again, they did it in such a way that, like, the kids at home are gonna, a lot of them are just gonna, like, wow, Salamander can do that? Yeah, like, that's just a fact that they're gonna recite to their parents. Will it come in handy? Man, I don't know. But it's cool to know things for its own sake. Maybe some kid gonna become a... Okay, he says he's not a lizard, and I guess he's not a snake. I don't actually know someone who studies salamanders would be, but like maybe that'll inspire them to become one. Like I, I, I it's not a herpetologist, but well, anyway, moving on. Um, it's just... So I, I really love the little scene between Kento and Ogami. Um, like Kento is coming to this man who is in a very vulnerable moment. He is lost his son and doesn't know if he can save him and kento makes himself vulnerable as well in defense of this guy he cares about and he gives up one of his own defenses a thing that we know is a very limited resource amongst logos you know as a sign that he believes in ogami and can ogami trust his judgment on toma which like it's the kind of plea that actually makes sense working. Like, yeah, this new guy talking a lot of stuff? Nonsense. Of course you'd get in his face. But one of your comrades in arms stepping up to bat for him? Uh, that'll carry some weight. Which is, you know, true in Ryder as it is in life. So it's a really sweet moment. And, you know, even if Ogami isn't 100% sold... He does at least want to see what kind of guy Toma is now. Because, you know, if Kento's going to step up for him, why is he stepping up for him? 
And, you know, much like Rintaro did in episode two, now here in episode four, when Ogami sees that Toma is willing to stake his own life for other people when he doesn't have to, because he, again, at any time, he could just drop this and walk away, and that he doesn't want anything in return for helping people, he's at least willing to hear the kid out and, you know, see what he can do. And when Toma then tries to give Ogami one of his one of his ride books, one of his defenses that again are a very limited resource, so that Ogami can go save his son while he serves against a distraction against someone that Ogami knows is very dangerous. It's very sweet that it's the moment where Ogami decides to take him seriously as a fellow swordsman and entrust his son's life to Toma and, you know, hands some of his own power over so that Toma can go save his son while he serves as the distraction. He, he can see very clearly that promises aren't something that Toma takes lightly. If he makes a promise, he means it and he intends to keep it regardless of the cost to himself. And it's very clear that Ogami can, from that, see the influence the former Saber has had on Toma. And it's, like, you're getting all of this information with so little. It's just kind of some smirks and the passing around of books, and that's enough to convey all of this, which is really incredible. Again, this show, like Nakazawa Shoujo, veteran director, and you can tell, like Mori Nobuhiro, capable of writing some really good stuff. And as a team, they're pretty darn impressive. And and on top of that, we, like, all throughout, we also get these nice additions to the puzzle that is Toma, without having to, you know, do the Magic Brian mystery box with it all. Like, yeah, some stuff happened that we know about, even though Toma doesn't, and now we know more about young Toma and which parts of him stuck around after his head was rewritten? Question mark? Like, I, I don't know where it's all going, but I'm kind of hyped to see. Like, they, they put me in a place where I'm just happy to go along for the ride and, you know, mess around with the mystery of the week and see how the broader mystery unfolds. It's it's a nice thing. And, of course, to, to the larger point you're making, Sono, I just, I just also really like that we get all these bits where we see the big swaggery manly man's man like Ogami have these moments of vulnerability and fear and consideration and no one even tries to take a shot at him for it. No, everyone's just like, man, of course you're reacting like this. Your, like, four to six-year-old son got kidnapped by monsters and we all sympathize. Yeah, and there's just... I'm very happy that while... I personally wouldn't mind a few more ladies among the writer crew. That, but at the same time, at least all the dudes together, they, like, no one is falling into the trap of being like toxic masculinity guy. Yeah. There's no Leo from Zhuojer here. No, there's not. I mean, I feel like if anyone's gonna come close, maybe it's gonna be Kento. But I mean, even he's. You know, he's clearly not because he faced Ogami like 
yo man i know that you've got this thing and i feel for you they clearly all know sora because he's clearly been to the base because he says i don't like going there because it's boring for me so like they clearly all know this kid and he's like hey i this is your son we all know and like him and even if we didn't know him he's your son we get it i have a complicated dad relationship of my own so you know we all just want to help you yeah it's just it's nice it's like i i really hope the saber doesn't get the thing that ghost had where people would just cite like oh yeah the kid and ghost he's too nice he's too good of a person like i would i really hope not because that was the thing about ghost that i loved yeah, it's a like. Look, I like an antihero as much as the next person. Honestly, probably a little more. We had a whole talk before we started recording about how much I like my quote-unquote edgy media, but at the same time, like, like you can't do that every some, year. No, you can't. And also, it's nice to just have a good kid be the superhero. Sometimes, it's just it's nice to know that there are people out there who at the very least think that you can be a nice person and a good person. Anyway, sorry, moving on. So, I love May. I love her. I love that, you know, she sees this ride book fall out of her bag and is like, wait, this will take me to Sora. That will solve the problem. <laughs> like, no... No regard for, like, this will bring me to the monster and I will be trapped. No, it's just like, this will bring me to the kid. I feel guilty that I got him into this and I can't help. Now I can help. Yeah. Look, May don't play. It's one of the many things I like about her, honestly. Like, one more for the association of ladies in Rider who don't get belts because, at least at the moment, she's just too dang powerful. It's again big Akiko energy. Akiko would Akiko did the same thing several times. Like either she doesn't acknowledge the danger or she doesn't care. She's got a goal and she's going to do what she's got to do in order to achieve it. And also for some reason she has large fireworks in her backpack. Again, she does not play. She works hard, she parties hard. Like I do really wish that when Sora was, like, down on books and being like, This is why I hate books! Do you see? Like, I wish that after May had the little, like, Oh, no way! Like, I wish she was the one that got to be like, No, books are cool when used for good, instead of Toma, you know, like, showing up and just saying that. Like, I wish she had gotten to say it, and then maybe Toma shows up and is like, Yo, she's right. And then, like, busts them out of the thing. Because May... Like, look, that's such a good superhero move. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, May got to be so cool by, you know, especially this early in the show, taking her own agency and getting involved in the episode, getting involved in this thing because, you know, she felt guilty that she had taken the kid out and he found the book. So I wanted, I wish they'd followed through on that by having her be the one encouraging Sora about how cool books can be, even though they're both trapped. Yeah, it, it really would have been good. 
Heck, just give her a moment to show that she's also a nerd by just telling a, the kid a story. Or maybe she even knows this story that's being referenced. Because, like, I realize it's a fairy tale, but that actually kind of makes... And, and maybe that means it makes more sense for Toma to know, because he, you know, he runs the, the bookshop. But at the same time, fairy tales are a part of the fantasy genre, and she clearly knows the fantasy genre, otherwise she wouldn't be an agent in the field. So, you know, let her let her have a bit of the book nerding. Everyone can be a nerd. That's the beautiful thing about it. Of course, the bad part about it as well, because just, like, anyone can do it. Anyway, let's not get into that. Okay, so Disast is an interesting addition to the cast. He's neat. I'm not gonna lie, I adore him already. He, he just, he looks like he was designed as just, like, like, they took some of the Imogene stuff, and then they just got drunk and just threw it together with some with some Kiva stuff. I like him. Like, he, he kind of reminds me if they took an Imogen and, like, threw it onto an undead from Blade. Because he reminds oh, yeah, me visually of, uh, of Hajime, of the, 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 not the Mantis. Is it? No, he's the Mantis. He's the Mantis. Joker. Joker is what I'm trying to think of. God. Um, like, it reminds me kind of visually of Joker. I can see that. Um, but there, there's implications that he has ties to the 15 years ago flashback event and former Saber, since he can track the, the dragon book on scent alone. And that both, you know, Caliber and Ogami both know who he is and what he's done. So, and I just, I love the little banter he and Ogami have where they're fighting, where he's like, yo, you can't keep up. And he's like, yeah, I'm old now. <laughs> Go easy on me. God, it's really amazing how good the chemistry is between this entire cast. These two characters said two lines to each other, and we already have a feel for the way their personalities work off of each other and what their relationship is. Yeah, and, and they do just... Oh, go on. No, it's just I really want to see them fight again and, like, kick more one-liners back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, again, they are doing a really good job of building this world in just so few episodes. Like, sure, they've got the infrastructure for the world. They've explained the mechanics of it, bloody blue They've got all these characters who've lived through the past events, and they all have unfinished business, and that creates such an interesting dynamic. It's really great. And, like, I love when when Ogami and Disast, like, cross blades and, you know, like, go past each other, and Disast comes away not particularly harmed, so he kind of thinks that he's won for a second before realizing that Ogami was actually after the book and got it and is like, ha you got me this time, buddy. Okay, I'm gonna call it a day. Like, that was really fun, and again, it tells us so much about him and about his relationship to the swordsman. Like, it's really good. It really is. And, like, here's the thing. Alright, I love a for-the-pleasure-of-the-fight kind of bad guy, which disaster clearly is. But here's the thing. It's a cliche for a reason, which is that they're fun, and they add a lot of character, and you can do so much with them. Yeah, if you do it right, 
you get Bosco, who I don't even like. And I still acknowledge that is doing it so right. But if you do it wrong, you get Zamigo. Well, but this dude already has more charisma in one appearance than Zamigo ever did. Yeah, than he did in that whole show. So it's yeah. like, I've got really high hopes for him. Um, I also noticed while I was doing notes, because I pause a lot, um, he kind of has these big horned fanged dog muzzles on his shoulders that sort of match his face. And I'm wondering if he's got like a Cerberus theme? Because I'd be down for that, that he's like some kind of actual underworld hell baby. Because that could result in some cool abilities and storytelling and like why he's kind of why they're able to like single him out amongst all of these book monsters oh not to mention that sort of also gives him a nice uh reference to the writers themselves because then he's got like he's a mythic monster but he's also in three parts like they are oh yeah i i don't know i i got a i got a different uh point of mythic reference i confess which was that he's like sort of if Red Riding Hood was the big bad wolf. Which is, with, a, God, with those... that's a thing I always love. Yeah, same, same. Like, I don't know. I have a lot of really idiosyncratic feelings about the utility and ubiquity of the big bad wolf as just, like, the monster. Like, what is a more iconic monster than the big bad wolf? It's, you know what a wolf is, and it's like that, but it's big, and it's bad. It's in the name. It's so simple that it's it's just, yeah. And I don't know that, he, just with the the red scarf and stuff. I, I don't know. No one knows. We're speculating. And if I'm wrong, and he's more of a Cerberus, I mean that's cool because Cerberus is the watchdog of hell. Well, not of hell, of Hades. You shouldn't conflate them. They're different mythos. I mean, but, but also, still. like, what if he's both? Because the Big Bad Wolf is among different stories. He's in Red Riding Hood. He's in The Three Little Pigs. I'm sure there are others that I can't think of at the moment. And honestly, like, what is Cerberus but a big three-headed bad wolf? Yeah. Like, I mean, it could be all three. Yeah, go for bro like go for broke, Saber. If you're putting do all of these different literary things together anyway, do all of them. Yeah, like it's like the big bad wolf from Red Riding Hood, Cerberus, and then like one other big scary evil dog. Like I doubt it's Cujo, but eh, at the moment, sure, it's Cerberus, the big bad wolf, and Cujo. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it'd be great. I just, I just like go it. for broke. I just go for yeah. broke, Saber. Go. Honestly, that's what I need Saber to do more than anything else. I need us. Like, we brought up uh, the the Nakazawa Shojiro. And there are some bits in Shinkenger where, like, there's, there's like, a, a not quite a mid-boss, because he's, like, a three-quarters of the way boss. He's, he's, like, the boss we fight before the big, big boss. And, like, he had just this great evil plan where it's, hey, what's up? Uh, us weird monster people, we can't, when we die, we just die, we don't go to hell. So I'm just going to bring hell to Earth so I can see what it's like. 
which is just like what? that's so wild <laughs> yeah i know i want this dude like this dude's look his whole thing i want him to have a thing like that where you're just like wait you want to do what now your evil plan is what that's that's not even evil that's bizarre <laughs> like i want him to have a plan where you're like that's amazing and awesome and what the heck were you smoking dude like i'm not trying to be like oh you must have been on drugs to have a creative idea but it's just one of those ones where you're like what like what are you accomplishing with that yeah why why like, oh well I, just nonsensical plan yeah exactly it's a a bonkers one but like if you shift three degrees to the left you're like okay i can see how you got there but no seriously what the hell dude speaking of going for broke yes y'all i love buff tinkerbell hell yes buff tinkerbell is amazing and i also love that the existence of buff tinkerbell is what finally turns Sora over on books. <laughs> like, just this loud, angry, on-fire buff lady doing a wrestling move on a monster until it dies is awesome. And I love that it's what inspires a love for creativity in this little boy, especially because it's this, like, very unconventional female character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so dang cool that that's what gets him into stories. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, also, I saw a pic going around not long ago of her and the guy who plays Abs Taro from Zero One. And they're just, like, hanging out in their, like, her and her Tinkerbell costume, him and his Abs Taro costume. It was, it was really fun. If I can find it again, I'll put it in the notes. But I just, yeah, I love Buff Tinkerbell. I really hope we see her again. I, I hope so, so badly. And also, like, okay, nerding thing, but much as I realize that's not what the most common uh, just depictions of Tinkerbell look like, here's the thing, that's how Tinkerbell ought to be. Like, buff whatever, I mean, do it, why not, it's awesome, but like, the whole thing about Tinkerbell is she's so small that she can only have one feeling at a time. And in this case, that feeling was clearly that your face needs to be caved in, and she pursued it single-mindedly. Which just, like, yeah, I, I too clearly love buff Tinkerbell. She's so good. And, again, that's the kind of just going for broke this show needs to do. Don't Honestly, the less beholden they are to classical representations of things, the better off it's going to be. Because here's the thing, we already have Sophia back at Logos Base, and she's basically like, you know, Galadriel. Like, we, we, have, we have our one traditional good queen slash princess, because according to My Little Pony people, Disney kind of destroyed queens. But, like, you know, we have that now. So, all the other princesses, like, if we get, if we get, like, Cinderella or Rapunzel or Sleeping Beauty, y'all go wild with it. Yeah. That's what I hope. Also, 
Also, let's reclaim queens. Yeah. I'm for it. Because, like, yeah, dude. Like, adults being cool, having cool stories. I'm about it, y'all. And unless we have any particular thoughts about uh, these two episodes of Saber, uh, I think we're going into our new suit roundup. Yeah. All right. Uh, so our first one is, of course, Kamen Rider Buster, both Genbu Shinwa and Genbu Jakun. Yeah, we're doing a two-for-one because Buster gets two forms in these episodes, and I don't think there's enough to say about Genbu Jakun to talk about it separately. Yeah, and, like, it kind of just blends together, except for the, the little noodle hanging off it. Um, but honestly, Buster is the best-looking suit in this show so far. Yeah, easily. Um, Without it, a doubt. It feels more like a traditional rider suit, but kind of with the proportions of powerful Grandpa Ichigo and also the same suit actor. Oh, that explains so much. It really does. Um, it also reminds me a little bit of Ultraman Belial with the way that the eyes go back. I, I got more of a, of a, a new Deno. Fair enough. Um, it does kind of yeah, have I mean, that kind of a deno with the way that or even like Xeranos with the way the eyes come over the top of the head but it's just this very heavy color with this barely lighter highlight uh, which again feels a lot like powerful Grandpa Ichigo and yeah, you just get all the information you need about this guy to understand who he is in the Logos lineup just by looking at him. There is no questions. Yeah, he is Oh, hey, is he the heavy hitter, do you think? I also like his head sword more than the other riders. I don't know if I just like it in general, but I definitely like it a lot more than everyone else's. Um, oh, yeah. Just, you know, because it sticks out horizontally, um, and it's also, it's, it's not as long, and it's kind of stout because it goes with his big buster sword, um, which really works in its favor. But I think really the, the most important thing is that instead of being at a 45 degree angle, it is completely horizontal. Um, it, and I think I figured out the problem in like kind of staring at Buster at like a three quarters angle. On Saber and Blades, having it going out at a 45 degree angle disrupts their sight line because you're following that line out from their eyes yeah where with buster yeah. if you follow that out from his eyes it points to where he's looking yes and i i think that it their swords pointing to something that they're not looking at is really kind of where they get me with with saber and blades boy i think that might actually be a big part of why it messes with me so bad yeah because, because that's yeah. it it really screws up the visual flow of the shots yeah and everything like their heads are always pointing at a thing but that's not the thing you need to look at no yeah that's yeah uh you but, know just keep that in your head kids as a design tip from me your your design mom but honestly like it is just such the best sh suit in the show so far and like 
that's that's a really low bar for me, but it's it's a really good suit generally because yeah, it is it's powerful Grandpa Ichigo if he was Deno and also Urataros the Imogene with the with the turtle hexagons. It kind just... of feels like if you if you crossed Urataros and Kintaros. Yeah, and then just like gave them their own Deno form together, which you know, cool. And then you get, then you just put it in those sort of the really heavy, just heavy tones. Like it's just it's a really good suit. It's the one suit where I'm like, okay, if a figure arts of that happened, sure. Um, I do wish that, and and this this is actually I don't generally have much to complain about as far as suit acting or even acting in general, but this kind of falls into both. I wish that. Buster's sword was acted heavier. Because yeah. it seems like it's supposed to be heavy because he is the heavy rider. It's this huge sword. But it doesn't feel like he's actually putting any effort into lifting it and swinging it and hauling it around. It doesn't feel like it has weight. Maybe if we saw someone else struggle with it, that would make the sword feel incredibly heavy but also make it seem like Ogami is just that strong that he doesn't have any trouble with it. But as it stands, it kind of just feels like he's hefting around a really large chunk of plastic because I know that's what it is. Yeah. And there's there's nothing tricking my brain into thinking otherwise. Um, and it kind of brings me back to Excel's engine blade in Double because that felt heavy. Terui dragged it along the ground and it like you could hear it dragging as he walked and he always was off balance as he was carrying it and dragging it and it when he would lift it onto his shoulder the same way that Buster does it had heft it he it took some momentum to get it off the ground and then he was fine once it was up and he could get it up onto his shoulder using that momentum. Like, it still made him feel very strong because he can lift it and swing it around and fight with it, but they tell us visually that it's heavy. And I wish that we had that for Buster's sword because I think it would really add to the heavy armor feel that he has going. Yeah. And, like, okay, again, just, I've been on a Super Sentai rewatch kick, it just makes me think about how sometimes another way they sell the idea of a really heavy weapon is like you see someone kick it upward to help give it that momentum. Like in the middle of a fight, they, they have to, you know, when the blade is down, they kick it to help propel it upward to give it just that extra bit of something because it's too heavy to get the really powerful swing without help. Just like, I don't know if that's necessarily going to suit his style because... He seems like a very, like, feet-planted sort of guy, but it'd still be nice to see one more way for them to sell that this thing, that this, that this big chunk of plastic is actually, like, a big chunk of, like, magic metal or yeah. something. Um, as far as Gembu Jakun, I like the way the vine comes out of the shoulder and wraps around the arm and that it's got a little, like, jack climbing up it. That dangly bit is still there, but the arm itself at least looks cool and isn't really distracting from the overall suit because it's mostly the same steel gray but with a 
an, like a, a tealish green accent color instead of a brown one. It's fine. Looks nice. I like it. I, I, I didn't notice the little jack climbing. I'm gonna have to go back and look for that. That's it's great. a little abstracted. It's kind of, it's mostly just some like, uh, some like rhombuses that are vaguely in the shape of a person. If you look from the right angle. Oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I will look. That's like, I may not care for the jackoon thing generally, but uh, that's pretty cute. Uh, and from there, we're on to Common Rider Blades, Lion, and this is this is a really tough one, Fantagistissa. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's just Lion Senki with a hook arm. I do kind of like the big spiky shoulder pad and wish that he just had that normally on both sides. Like, I don't know, maybe it would actually be too much, but I feel like with how heavily designed these suits are, like, why not just go the extra mile? Like, again, go for broke. Do what XA did. Go for broke. Honestly, yeah, you can make a hideous suit work if you just crank that uh, that mother up to 12. Like, yeah, don't look. Even stop at 11. Snipe is, Snipe is still the worst suit that I've ever had to look at. I own merch of it. I have paid my own money to own a little vinyl of Snipe because I I love Snipe so much. And, like, I love Rintaro. If you cranked his suit up to 11, even if it looked ugly, I'd still buy it because I love him. Well, and at least then I, I feel like there'd be something more interesting going on with it. Because it... Like, I don't know exactly what it needs to make the base form work. I realize that that, you know, they make the base form simple so that you buy the upgrades, but I don't know. I also just wouldn't mind if they found something to make the, the Peter Fantasistissa side pop a little better, because, like, the hook is an interesting choice, but for me it's a little too simple, even as I admit that it's probably better than, I don't know, a, a little sword for cutting off, you know, pirate hands. Or a crocodile's mouth. Or something like that. I just... But mostly, this is a stupid thing, but I, I just enjoyed the tweaking of the Peter Pan title. And you're like, ah, oh, yes, Peter Fantasistissa. And then it's just Peter Fan. It's like, oh, okay. And I just, I don't know why, because a cursory search shows that the original story in Japan is just called Peter Pan, and I'm just wondering if it's to avoid having to deal with Disney? Or, I mean, is Peter Pan in the public domain? I don't actually know. I feel like Peter Pan, I feel like Peter Pan would be. be in the public domain, but it may be one of those things where because Disney made the movie, they could do something weird. Yeah. Kind of like how, uh, how Sony held on to Spider-Man for a while. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know, but it, it could just be that Toei, being a big entertainment company themselves, are probably just a little paranoid about the mouse, because, yo, Disney is, uh, is an all-devouring thing, and they will find any reason. And, like, look, that's not me saying it's a for-certain thing, that's just, like, a little bit of assuming, because, you know, or, or maybe... Like, maybe it's not actually in the public domain. I know there was a sequel a while back 
called Peter Pan and Scarlet that was uh, they made a big thing about how the the estate of the original author uh, said it was cool but I don't know if that implies anything except oh wow he did a sequel and you asked first that's neat shrug because I don't think like Steven Spielberg had to ask permission for Hook yeah, anyway, no, I, I I feel like Peter Pan is in the public domain. It fe- feels like it should be, yeah. Anyway, um, that takes us now to Kamen Rider Saber, Dragon Hedgehog. Um, I give them credit for making me not hate red and yellow right next to each other. Um, Hedgehog has a slightly gold tint that makes it look kind of okay. I like the yellow flare around Saber's eyes. That looks neat. Um, and kind of distracts from the sword coming out of his head because then it's a lot of things coming out of his head. That's true. And, like, I can't help but wish that the head hadn't got so much busier, but as you point out, at least now the sword just blends in. It's, it's, it's hard to avoid these things getting so much busier, but it's still. It's fine. Um, speaking of it's fine. Um, Common Rider Saber. Dragon Hedgehog Peter. I feel as though my opinion on this suit is just an actual real-life shrug emoji. Because, okay, it's fine. I don't really like the blue and red and yellow together. That kind of feels like a lot. But, I don't know, maybe it's just a good first way to show off these three books so the divisions are clear. Because, like, this is the first time he's used three, and now you can clearly see what is what. Yep. But it's it's just, there's so many things going on. <laughs> and I'm hoping that the solid three color, like, the, the three book suits for them all being the same color, um, since they're more of, like, a, a like an O's combo. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping maybe that works out a little better. Boy, I'm hoping, because... Boy, it's not. I don't. It's a mess. I I will say, like, I am sort of enjoying the color coding, and and the sort of, and how, like you said, it it highlights each of the sections, and then all the the sections now have different functionalities, where we see like, okay, one like one side is your elemental creature, your middle side is just a normal animal, and then you have the story that gives you a, a neat utility power, and that's that's a neat setup. But yeah, I really just want to see what the equivalent of, of like the Tatoba is. I don't, I don't know what that's going to be, but yeah, I want to see the all red, the all blue, the all yellow, and whatever whatever other ones they get. And also, I, I have to say, I appreciate that this one has given us sort of this O's callback, even though it's like vertically sliced instead of horizontal. Um, when when they've made it so that the opening and closing themes are done by the Tokyo Ska Orchestra, which, I don't know, I think that's just cute. My, my one thing about tying it to O's, though, is O's was all black with different colored highlights, and then I think it got a little slightly more colored in the the full combos like Tajador. Um, yeah. Where this feels closer to Super Tatoba, which looks bad. Yeah, it does. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Saber is okay, Super Tatama is bad. Yeah. Oh, I, I really just, I really want them to simplify. When, when they do the big upgrade suits, oh, I hope some, I hope they fix a lot of things. Yeah, I do, I feel like, um, whatever, like, the, the Tajador, or, I don't know, like, Whatever the red three book combo is, is probably going to be our, like, Shining Hopper. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm hoping that looks good and then we can hit 25 and get something else. Yeah. Get just, something else that's maybe just better designed in general. Yeah. Here's just, oh, hey, now you're a, you're a dragon saber book man. I don't even, like, that's what he is now, but just find a better way to mix those pieces up because as it is it's just oh like it's not immersion breaking but oh it's it's unfortunate um boy sorry to to end us on such a low note uh sono do we have any last minute thoughts i'm just these were really good episodes i did yes. really enjoy them i love ogami i like kento a lot i'm sure that i'll love kento once we actually get to see him do some things Give us more Daishinji. Give us more Daishinji. Give us more buff Tinkerbell, but please give us more Daishinji. I really want to know what his deal is. Um, the chemistry of the cast is really doing a lot of carrying this show. It is. Like, because I don't know what the plot is yet, but I like the people. Yeah, the, the cast is so strong. And I think that's a better note to end it on. Uh, so for all of us here at the Uncommon Cast RX and the rest of the TOOL Network, I'm Aleph. And I'm Sonic.